everybody, and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I'm Joey Pasco, joined, as always, by Mr. Ruben Bressler. Hello, everyone. And, of course, In Contention is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. And check this out, we've got Evan Irwin on the show. Hello, yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. So, it's nice uh, to talk to everybody. Yeah, welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you. Uh, Cranny couldn't make it today, and he is quite disappointed. Um, I'm so sorry. I would love to talk cube and magics with the Cranstubers. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make that happen another time. For yeah, sure. I definitely want to hear them battle it out on power versus non-power in cube. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. would be my favorite thing ever. But uh, all that variance. Yep. That would be awesome. So. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, of course, as I began to mention, In Contention is, of course, the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this coming weekend, the Open Series comes to Cincinnati, Ohio, with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCGLive.com and catch Adrian Sullivan, Ben Hayes, and Glenn Jones in the sideboard, bringing you guys all the action. The Twitter hashtag for the weekend is SCGSIN, that's C-I-N, so you can use that to join in the discussion, and if you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. You can go to the StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing, and that is StarCityGames.com slash SCGOP. There you go. So, Ruben, uh, Ruben, you got some hashtags. Yeah, without without Cranny here today, I'm going to go through the hashtags for everyone. Of course, we're going to go over uh, SCG Edison, hashtag SCGNJ, for those of you that were paying attention that the, the weekend. The Snopin. The snow, hashtag SCG Snopin is exactly right. Uh, we're also going to go over PT Gatecrash, which will be hashtag PT, I don't know, 12 feet of snow. <laughs> Pro Tour Snowbank, something like that. Too cold. Too cold, exactly. Um, then, of course, we want to uh, get into a lot of discussion on hashtag GP Charlotte with Evan. Uh, lots of things to discuss there, including hash- the, uh, the hashtag Gold Rush, uh, all the artists that will be there. Um, we'll briefly discuss the Gatecrash Limited format because a lot of people are really interested in that. Um, it's one of the fastest formats since Zendikar, as far as I've been told. Um, lots of madcap skills decks and putting madcap skills on armored transport. It's a pretty, uh, pretty awesome <laughs> thing that lots of people have been trying to do. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the results from this weekend, particularly... Some of the more unexpected results from this nice. weekend, Very nice. and we will get to that <laughs> later in the show. But let's kick things off. Where do you want to kick things off? It's a good question. Should we? You want to slow roll the GP Charlotte stuff, or do you want to? You know, go That's right a, into. What do you it? think, Evan? Uh, I think we should talk about Edison first. All, All right. right. So I was in Edison this weekend, um, and there were a couple. Uh, the, the The format continued to develop. Um, in, in interesting ways. One of the more interesting things that I saw was that, uh, in standard, was that Jund, without any gate crash cards, won the tournament. Yeah, it, it just, I mean, you, you look at the first place deck and you're like, okay, it's a big pile of good cards. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. <laughs> that, that describes every Jund deck, doesn't it? It's, it's a pile of good cards in those colors. That's pretty yeah. much the, the formula. Uh, we, it, it's funny because it's like, obviously this isn't the actual case, but it seems like these Jund decks are just 
angry that Bloodbraid Elf was banned in modern, so they're like, we're just going to dominate legacy and standard then. That's right. Um, probably modern too, <laughs> without sure. Bloodbraid Elf. I mean, we'll talk about legacy, I'm sure, here shortly, where, where John and Fairdex got destroyed this weekend by combo decks, but, um, you know, like, I, I, I don't think, I think, like, sort of what you see here is what normally happens, which is the, everyone either doesn't have the cards or they're afraid to play something that they're not 100% on, so they play what they're familiar with, and they tweak it, and they've been playing it for a long time, and I'm sure he's really good at it, and so you have a deck with one Rakdos Key Rune and a Staff of Nin, okay. You know, sure. like, it's good, it's fine, it gets the job done, it's not super exciting, but, you know, it's a good deck, and so yep. sometimes Billy that's P, all you need. Billy uh, Postlewaite is an old-school player from Florida, actually. He's uh, He's got a couple Grand Prix Top 8s, he hasn't played much on the Open Series. Um, he just moved to new, to uh, Staten Island, I think, um, and he was just, he, I don't think he even knew that the Open was happening until someone told him, like, that week, and he was like, alright, this is clearly the style of deck I like. I'm just going to play it. And so he just played, he did exactly what you just said. He played what he was comfortable with. He played uh, card, he played creatures that gained life and Olivia's. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what his deck is. So, yeah. uh, you know, and it works, especially in this metagame full of, uh, full of Boros Reckoners. You want to be game, gaining as much life as you possibly can. Yeah. That card. Yeah, yeah, that card, it's, I think, we, you know, we, we said, I think, was it you or Cranny, Ruben, that said that it was probably the best rare in the set that was not yeah, land? Yeah, when it, when it was $4, I said it was the best rare of the set. Yeah, so far. How, how much are they? Uh, 18, and the foils are 25. Yeah, that's pretty uh, absurd. I, I got my cube foil for a whopping $6. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that's the cube good, pre-order rub Good investment. <laughs> Speaking of that card, I was a little surprised. I'm a little surprised that a deck with Boros Reckoner in it hasn't won an open in the first two weeks. Um, it's gotten real close, but it's yeah. gotten close, and it's and uh, I have to say that Richard Wynn, the third place deck, is the best deck that I saw in the tournament. Um, it looks kind of weird from the spell perspective, but you look at the creatures and you're like, all right, Boros Reckoner, Restoration Angel, Thragtusk. Those are the three best creatures in standard. And this is the only deck running all three of them in the same deck. So, I mean, that's that's why I thought it was the best deck in in uh, in uh, standard or in the tournament, I should say. You know, when, when I see stuff like volcanic strength, like in in the main deck, it makes me think that like it's not too far to see madcap skills in constructive play. Absolutely, I actually think madcap skills might be better in this deck than volcanic strength. Yeah. Uh, should the format continue to go down the Esper control or junk lists that we have in second and fourth place. But you look at these spells and you're like, all right, four main deck Mizium Orders, I can get behind that. That's usually a sideboard card, but he's clearly trying to win the creature battles. I'm okay with this. Volcanic Strength in the main deck, mm, that one's almost always a sideboard card if it's ever in a deck. Right. I am not sold on it. But you know what? If Stomping Ground and Sacred Foundry are everywhere, if this is a Boros Reckoner metagame, all right. Two Rangers, Guile. In the main deck. No targets for you. Yeah, just straight-up counterspell in this deck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just 28 creatures. You know, it's, it's always... Because they're always going to point their elimination spells or whatever uh, at... Uh, at these guys, not to mention the fact that it counters a Garrick, the uh, Garrick Relentless trigger, uh-huh. uh, counters, you know, pretty much anything that you could want, especially 
if you uh, if you give your creature enough toughness, it can counter spells that would be like Mizium Mortar's Overload that That's doesn't fair. even target. I like so. the fact that Burning Tree Emissary actually lets you cast two of the three spells in the deck. Yes. That's pretty sweet. Play Burning Tree Emissary, Mizium Mortar's your guy, go. Or Emissary, you know, Volcanic Strength, my whatever, go. Like, yeah. Or Volcanic Strength, the Emissary. Like, okay. My favorite but. moment from the weekend was uh, was game two of the quarterfinals. Richard was playing against Paul Brown, who was playing the Naya Humans list that had Experiment 1 and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those decks had Burning Tree Emissary. And the power of that card really shone through in game two when, when Paul played turn one champion of the parish. Turn two, Burning Tree Emissary, Lightning Mauler, attack you for seven. That's pretty good. <laughs> Richard, Richard shocked himself to play uh, Avison Pilgrim on turn one. Turn two, oh, I'm at 11? Okay. Shock myself. <laughs> Burning Tree Emissary locks it on Smiter. Wow. Yeah. And then the next turn, Paul played another one drop and another Lightning Mauler. <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess I'm at five or something, or I'm at I'm at three, and then uh, Richard was like, oh no, he was at five or something like that. Uh, Richard was like, all right, shock. Mo- oh no, he didn't shock himself again. He played a, a M10 land, Restoration Angel, Blink, Burning Tree Emissary, play Flint Hoof Boar. This is real life. Wow. Yeah, and so his opponent's God Draw just didn't even matter because he just had all the just had all these Burning Tree Emissaries. That's amazing. The, ne- the next two turns, he played Thrag Tusks to be able to not die. So, I thought that was a a, a clinic in why f- uh, Burning Tree Emissary is basically Frogmite in this format. Wow! Just a free two-two. That's fantastic. While we're on the topic of of Naya, I, I assume you guys have seen this Saito list. Yes. Well, yes. Oh. This is very similar to the Saito list. Yeah. Um, except for that, he cut. Uh, Saito has Geyer Sages instead of Avacyn's Pilgrims, which I'm not sold on. I know Saito's very good at magic, but that card does not seem great. He's pretty good at the magical cards. I actually was testing out Saito Naya last night. Um, uh, I, I love Wizards to Death, and, um, as such, they let me play with lots of cards on Magic Online. And so I loaded it up, and I gave it a shot, and it was absolutely ridiculous. And Domery Rod, like, officially respected now. Yeah. Like, I liked it before, but I saw it in action. You know, I got to play with the card, and it is just terrific. Like, yeah, that's the big the big one, I think, the big difference with this Saito list. You know, he's playing four copies of Domery Rod. And, yes. Uh, I think... Uh, Brad Nelson was was streaming it, or, or no, not streaming it. That he he just actually has it up on Star City. Right, uh, he did an article for it. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I love his tweet earlier. It's just like, watch me obliterate a daily event with this Naya deck. Like, so uh, I haven't gotten really to watch good. the videos yet, but but yeah. that looks good. I want to turn everyone's attention in the standard, by the way, real quick, to a ninth place deck that lost out on top eight on Breakers. Mono white humans. Mm-hmm. With four Boros Reckoner. <laughs> and four Blind Obedience, wasn't that? And four Blind Obedience is the only non creature spell in the main deck. Yeah, that was impressive. That, uh, I mean, the, rest the fact of- that it was in Extra Control in second place and it was four of in the ninth place deck. Yeah. Like, that's a cool card. Yep. It's a, that card's amazing. Uh, it basically. Kept all of the Thunder My Hellkites, Hellriders. Kept the Lightning Maulers in check to some degree. Uh, I mean, it keeps the Thrag Tusks, you know? Like, yeah. And, I make, I made and in this deck, the all show. the blockers are no no big deal. 
Right. I was like, you know, what happens is you play this, you know, white weenie, white aggro, whatever deck, and then your opponent goes, bah, Thragtusk, go, and then you're just stuck. They gain five life and they have this amazing blocker. Well, Blind Obedience not only makes, they only gain five life, but you can then drain them for whatever you're playing and get in with a million damage with Silverblade Paladin or whatever. So. Yeah, if you got, I, you've got a pretty low curve, too. Like, you know, the, the top of the curve is Sublime Archangel, mm-hmm. and so you've got the extort mana. Uh, available, and that's got to feel pretty good to play your reckoner yeah. and drain them for one. Like okay, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> it's dirty. It yeah, there cool. are some that that if you have two blind obedience in play, man, you are just <laughs> <laughs> far seek gain two drain two. Like feeling it's good just about ridiculous. It. <laughs> all of all of your future like unsummons turn into f- blind hunters. It's just ridiculous. Quite the dagger to fiend hunter, drain them for life and remove their guy. Yep. <laughs> so that was that was definitely a, a very exciting deck for me, and it also just shows I think the versatility of Boros Reckoner, which just it's in mono white, it's in mono red, it's in Boros. Like, yep. I actually think that the best deck this coming weekend in Cincinnati and at the Pro Tour might be blue white red aggro, uh, which is the the. Um, Sort of like blue, white, red. Not not the flash deck so much, but more like the deck that uh, I think Matt Nass was playing it at the Invitational. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Anthony Lowry here in forty first place. He started out six zero, um, but came up to me and was like, "I'm way too tired to be able to play Magic today," and then proceeded to lose the next three rounds. Um, but we had him on camera, and he was doing really well with this deck. And it's a Geist of Saint Traff Boros Reckoner deck. It just has, you know, eight charms, four, four Azorius charm, four Boros charm in the main deck. Um, and it's got blind obedience in the sideboard is why I brought it up. But yeah, this deck certainly looks like it, it has, the, uh, has the chops to be able to do well at a Pro Tour. And it doesn't even have any counterspells in the main deck. So in a, in a more controlly metagame as Pro Tours tend to be, mm-hmm. I would expect a blue-white-red deck with Boros Reckoner to be able to do very, very good things. Well, actually, one of the another deck I wanted to mention, and it's something again I brought it up in the show, but um, the Bant Delver list, yes, by, by Brandon B. That won an Invitational qualifier. I played it last night. It is terrific. I mean, wow! Here, here was the coolest interaction all night. I go uh, turn two Curian try I go. He he does something or plays a land Cisco. I untap. I play a land. And then from that point onward, whenever I play a spell rupture, it will officially hit for two mana. It will be a two mana mana leak from that point onward because I'm going to add a counter to Query and Dryad before the spell rupture resolves. Mm. So that was a cool little interaction. Like when I play spell rupture, it actually gets better because Query and Dryad's on the field. And yeah, I like spell, spell I play rupture. In the uh, a spell rupture is very funny to me because if you play turn one Delver and then turn two blind flip spell rupture. Mm-hmm. It's literally blind flipping mana leak. <laughs> yes, it is so good. I mean, oh, I spell that. rupture is real because that, like, my opponent had to play around it the whole game. Simic charm was just amazing. Simic charm did all the things you wanted to do. Like, I won the game by Simic charming Snapcaster Mage Simic charm again for just giant growths, giant growth, giant growth on my Delver kill you. Like, hmm. and he had, you know, I mean, wow. he had like Dreg Mangler and you know Rancor and a bunch of guys. You know, the four-mana five-five guy, uh, the Dead Bridge Goliath, and all that stuff. It didn't matter, because I just had all the tempo. I was, you know, bouncing all their stuff with Simic Charm. I was unsummoning things. You know, I was hands of binding, did some serious work with the Delver. Um, it was just, yeah, it that was guy, like, that guy, that card a, is awesome. 
is a good tempo deck. Like you just don't, you know, like right now there just isn't one. Red, white, blue is kind of like kind of a tempo deck, um, or you know wants to be. But this, I think, was just sort of like the the extreme. You know, like it has Delver. There's no Delver in the red, white, blue deck right now, um, where there there isn't here, and and that's how I won. I mean, it was it was terrific. I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to mention my, a couple of my favorite decks in the tournament. Well, it's one deck, two different players. Uh, obviously, Chris Marshall second place there with uh, with Esper Control. And yeah, uh, you would. I, I mean, that's that's <laughs> what I want to play. I've been looking forward. I've been playing Esper since you know before we had uh, Watery Grave, and uh, yeah, I, I really I like Osip's lift. Osip Lebedovich. Uh, yes, playing. You did a deck tech. I did Osip. a deck tech with Osip. He has a uh, Chris Marshall has a much more traditional, and by traditional I mean like this, the same thing we've been seeing the last couple months, where he's got Augur Bolas, a couple Snapcaster Mage, but his main win condition is Nefalia Drownyard, yeah. whereas Osip is much better at winning the game with Planeswalkers, um, he's got a different strategy, basically. Yeah, he's got the, the Planeswalkers as a win condition, and he's got, um, in the board, he's got a copy of Obsidat and a copy of Drogskull Reaver, which I've played with that card a bit, and that's that's a fun card to play with. <laughs> it's a real card now. Yeah, so uh, uh, he, he's also he, got psychic strikes. What? Yeah, yeah, those are awesome because he's not a base blue deck. He can counter any spell with only one blue mana, mm. which is a big deal. That's a big deal. Hmm. Yeah, and then he he does have three copies of Nefalia Drownyard, so he's got you know three quarters of that win condition compared to uh, <laughs> compared to Chris Marshall's deck. And you could argue that the the psychic strikes can kind of uh, pick up some of the slack of that. Yeah, he was telling me about uh, Azorius Charm Psychic Strike is a pretty pretty good deal because most people wait to play their spells until second main phase. Yeah. That's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. He did say uh, Obsidat was awesome for him, and he might play another one or two of those. Uh, I asked yeah, and our Twitter, fourth so. our fourth place junk list had Obsidat, and uh, basically that card won the game by itself several times. That card, alongside things like Thrag Tusk and Vampire Nighthawk, just like in uh, in uh, Billy P's deck, but also Restoration Angel, Blink Obsidat. Uh, he's got big beats in in Lotless Troll and Loxodon Warhand or Loxodon Smiter, but Deathrite Shaman, Vampire Nighthawk, Obsidot, Thrag Tusk, and usually Restoration Angel will come into play and gain you some life. So around uh, you know sort of around uh, some friends of mine, we were talking about Deathrite Shaman, and just as a quick aside here, I kind of feel like Deathrite Shaman is a mistake at this point. Like, okay. I feel like they're going to ban it in modern at some point. They're probably going to wait for a return to Ravnica to rotate. Now, this oh, is yeah. kind of, that's also kind of a shtick that Glenn Jones has, so I'm not going to steal his thunder, but, cause he's been on this for a while. Yeah. But, I think ultimately, like, for example, why is that card a 1-2? Like, yeah, why does that card exactly. carry, carry jits? Like, why does it carry equipment? Like, what is it even, you know, why is that necessary? The fact that it isn't, yeah, exactly. The fact that it isn't a 1-1, let alone an 0-1 is, ridiculous. The fact that it blocks a goblin uh, uh, lackey in Legacy right. is absolutely absurd. I mean, to Grim Lavamancer, it's, you know, it's a uh, yeah. it, it gates life, it's a scavenger news, it's a bird of paradise, it's ridiculous. Anyway. It blocks one ones. I will say that I want to run the dream of Restoration Angeline, my Geralt's Messenger. I want to do this. Yes. <laughs> I want to do this in my life. And I want to be, and either be able to do that for Geralt's Messenger or Ob's that, or both. 
Well, you look at this list. There are no Geralt's Messengers. That makes me sad. But it is a junk list. You know what I mean? It's triple black. No, 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 I'm saying in the entire tournament, you just don't see any. (laughs) There are none in the top 16. I didn't didn't see any. I agree with you. I'll let you mention it. Where did that man go? Yeah, people forgot that that was a magic card, apparently. Or, or, you know, uh, Boros Reckoner is the three drop that makes that card just look silly. Yeah, that Boros Reckoner just makes Drawsmester look bad. So I can imagine they're, they were probably in the room, and then they were all like reading Boros Reckoner and going like, man, yeah. this was a poor decision today. I mean, this, tur- this tournament was on Saturday, right? And the post office did say they would not be delivering mail. So Messenger probably just <laughs> not showing up on Saturdays there. <laughs> yeah, and I want to briefly move to some of the. I mean, some of these we expected. We expected Boros Reckoner. We expected a little bit of Jund, but there were some unexpected results this weekend, and those came in the form of unexpected results at the Classic Series in Memphis. Hello. Top eight uh, had an unexpected results list, and Evan, you said you were playing a little bit with it, so why don't you delve into that a little bit? I did. I mean, and just and just so we're clear, like that that Classic was like I think around two hundred people. So this is this was a real deck that did actual results. It wasn't just like a goof. Um, I played it last night. I, I threw it together. I played a couple games. Um, what I found was, I think, what you would expect, which is, like, the variance is insane. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, I drew hands. And your chaos and, warping as your main win condition. Basically. I mean, you know, I drew hands that were just, like, you know, two omniscience and a door to nothingness <laughs> and stuff. And you're like, well, I just mold the five, you know? Like... So, it, and one time I unexpected results into a temporal mastery. So that was fun. <laughs> Didn't really do anything. That was kind of the problem, you know? Like, I have these lands and, like, nothing. And, like, an enter the infinite in my hand. And I go, unexpected results. And, like, ah, it's a land. Okay. Do it again. <laughs> I did, right. well, however. Unexpected results is, like, okay. So, ha- ha- half the time it's just, like, a bad rampant growth, but you buy it back. So Correct. it's, like,. It's sort of like, um, oh, what was that card? <sighs> I forget what that card's called, but it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, you, you get a land into play, and then you just get the unexpected results again and spin the wheel next turn. Right, and it's fine in that regard. And again, you know, like, there, there's times when you just, like, you hit the nuts, and you're like, oh, I got Nickel Bolas, and I'm the best thing ever. Right. Three. But, you know, again, it's <laughs> a ridiculous amount of variance for this deck and like there were times when I got off some big spells and then my opponent answered it and then I just drew nothing and died um so it was again it's like it's a super cute deck I think this guy got really lucky all day long <laughs> yeah I mean there are times when you're just going to ramp out and their opponent does nothing and you play Gristlebrand and you kill them um you know and there were times also that I had infinite mana and I actually got to play literally hard cast omniscience and my opponent let me play enter the infinite and like, <laughs> I got oh, to do well, all the things there you like, go that was that was neat you know urban evolution is is an amazing card um and I love it, but it's it's this deck that basically just says, like, your Supreme Verdict's supposed to save you. And in a world where aggro is very resilient, it generally doesn't. Uh, the other detention spheres, normally not enough. Um, you have an absolute ton of mana, and a lot of times it can flood out. So I think the core idea of, like, living on the edge and this insane variant stuff is super cool. Um, and I think this is one of those flashes in the pan that we talk about a lot. But, you know, two or three months from now, we don't see any of these decks around. 
before we continue, like I really appreciate all the players showing up for Edison because weather was a thing, and yeah. a ton of people showed up anyway. There were a ton of people who played on Saturday, who played on Sunday. Like these were dedicated gamers, and I love love them all. And they brought a ton of combo on day two. Yep. I saw, I mean, like, even the stream, I mean, I think it was one of those things where coverage was just like, we're trying not to feature combo decks, and here's Oops All Spells, I, you know? You're absolutely, well, at the beginning, I was like, hey, I found some Oops All Spells guys. And then I was like, there are still Oops All Spells guys undefeated. What have I done? Because we featured Oops All Spells in rounds three and four. Wow. Um, I looked through the lists later. We had seven in the room. Wow. Um, we had more turn one kills than I think any open ever. We had five on camera. On camera. Wow. That's not, that's not even counting other feature matches where I was walking around and, you know, I'm scrambling to put people on the secondary feature match table ten minutes into a round because, you know, I just featured Belcher against Junk and those matches were just over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it was just like, it. I think it's or amazing. it was just like the storm mirror. Or, you know, Show and Tell was clearly the deck of the tournament. Two in the top four. I think there were multiple in the top 16. Uh, combo with Force of Will was the way to go. Yeah, one it was deck... Definitely... Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Ian. Go ahead. Well, it, it was definitely preying on the, on the fair decks that have been doing very well the past couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, and on that, that note, I think uh, Karsten Cotter wrote an article about uh, High Tide without Candelabra. And uh, he was saying, you know, this is a format ready to just be infiltrated by combo decks because of all the fair decks. And I think, you know, while while it looks like nobody showed up, at least not in the top 16, with his uh, his High Tide without Candelabra uh, list, it's still... They, they, uh, the point that combo was just ready to take over was obviously uh, obviously on point. So Yeah. You look at this. You look at these standings. First place, sneak and show. Third place, sneak and show. Fifth place, ad nauseum. Sixth place, dredge. Seventh place, twelve post. Twelve post was a deck that a lot of people showed up with. Uh, I think I counted double digit twelve post players. There were more cloud posts than Delver of Secrets that I than when I was counting on deck lists. Wow! At this tournament, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And they were all running Thespians stage as a, so now we were up to 13 or 14 posts. Uh, ninth oh, place. Yes. Epic actually Storm. yelled at me on Twitter. They're like, rah, rah, rah. it's not 12 posts anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like a million posts now. I get it. We have crop rotation and Thespian stage and uh, you're hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, um, lots of Emrakuls basically is what's happening. Uh, ninth place, the Epic Storm. Tenth place, the Epic Storm. Twelfth place, Char Belcher. 16th place, Elves. That's not even counting all of the uh, the top 32. I think we had three Oops All Spells in the top 32. Wow. So this was the combo weekend, and there were no Jund in the top 16. Yeah, it, it hated them right out. And, you know, I guess if you're looking at High Tide, I just, you know, Candelabra is the $350 card. So if you wanted to remove $1,400 from your deck... <laughs> It doesn't well, seem like the worst idea. I was shocked that so many 12-post decks did, were there. Is, isn't Candelabra? Yeah, yeah, but they're... then again, the other thing is, um, I was talking with some players on Saturday of this tournament, and they were like, based on the weather, and based on how popular Legacy is in the New Jersey, New York City area, and also, apparently there was going to be a PTQ in Connecticut that weekend that 
have, that got snowed out, obviously. But they were thinking that it was possible that we were going to have more players in the Legacy tournament than in the Standard tournament. We had a, an and it was a close. very, very high percentage of... It was close. There were 270-something in the Legacy when and there were like 320 in the Standard on Saturday. So it was close. They love their Legacy up there in the Northeast. Yeah, and we always have really terrific numbers up there, and, you know, I, I was thinking we were going to get close to breaking records had it not been for the snowstorm, which yep. is unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. I think that it was it's, it's it would have been entirely possible to have been seeing 11 rounds. I mean, you know, like, we had we had a lot of people who were pre-registered who couldn't make it, um, you know, and a lot of people with travel issues who reported that stuff on Twitter and Facebook, and, you know, there's just some things you can't plan around, so... Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was certainly a fun tournament to be there for. I saw a lot of players that I don't normally get to see. Uh, Josh Ravitz made the top four in the Legacy. He's fun to be around and just, you know, hear hear the wisdom of him and Mike Flores just, you know, talking about just talking about magic. I don't get to hear that all the time. Osip yeah. was there. We pressed uh, Gerard Fabiano into service to do the commentary because Cedric's flight got canceled. Yeah. Um yeah, there were just some some awesome people that I don't I don't get to be around that often and I was very happy. I'm I, I'm excited to go back. So, absolutely. I think a lot of those people um segue warning uh will be at GP Charlotte. Mm. Yes. Excellent, flawless segue. <laughs> <laughs> Including Mr. Flores and Joey Pasco, who we're talking to right now, and, and some other excellent ringers. I'm, I, I know that Gerard's going to make it, and uh, Zach Hall mentioned on the stream he was going to try to make it, and then Osip should be making it, Rabbits, you know, like all, all the ringers, um, as well as, you know, the, the out-of-state ringers, including, you know, of course, Brian Kibler and Mr. Chapin will be there, and Jerry Thompson and Brad will be driving down from Roanoke, and, uh, you know, Flores will be commentating, of course, with you guys. So that'll be exciting. Um, yeah, for, Grand Prix Charlotte's going to be a great time. I'm real excited for it. I think that um, I have not seen a Magic tournament have all of a tournament of any kind. This is Worlds and Pro Tour included, where people were just talking this far ahead of time about it in in like, but not about the tournament, but about the events that are happening out like around the tournament, the Gold Rush and the artists specifically. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean we, I mean there's no doubt about it. Like, and yes, I'm sort of technically SCG's hype man or whatever, but, like, <laughs> if, if you want to call me that. But all I'm saying is, like, we have never juiced it like this one has been juiced. It is it is distinctly terrific. We When you take a gold rush that, you know, that got everybody and their mama out at Salt Lake City, which was terrific, and we got to give away a Lotus and a set of Moxes and all that stuff, and you have these amazing stories. Actually, just real quick, my, my favorite story from Salt Lake City is the four kids, they're like, you know, 10. They played in the Grand Prix. They all got a Gold Rush envelope, and they're all asking the acquisitions booth. They're saying, like, hey, um, you know, we all have cards. We don't know who's worth the most. We just want to know who's worth the most. And it's like, you know, land, Great Wall, whatever, Mox Pearl. Right. <laughs> and the kid just has no idea what's going on, you know? And you're like, you know, 10 cents, 10 cents, 10 cents, $200. So. Yep. 
<laughs> so That's it's awesome. stories like that. And now that we get to give away two sets of moxes, two black lotuses, I mean, two mana drains, two libraries, two time vaults. I mean, you know, you're going to be able to rattle off all the good things. The fact that we've even pushed back the gold rush in Salt Lake City, you couldn't get any of those envelopes until the tournament began. We've actually been going to be giving them on Friday um, mm. for all the Grand Prix trials and all of the eight man side events that you know people people who are winning those. So there's there's a there's a there's a whole ton of chances to get an envelope and um and, the, and it's not only Friday of course it's Saturday um you have the ability to play in the two at a giant challenge where if you win that you both heads get an envelope which is pretty cool um you we have a rebound tournament on Saturday which is for me again like I'm I was actually really impressed by the rebound tournament because if you scrub out other Grand Prix and it happens um the ability to play another seal deck for twenty bucks is terrific of the new set you know with all the new cards with a bunch of awesome prizes right just Um, just keep the just just keep rolling you know you're just like okay so i'm gonna stop this round and then just in in an hour i'll be playing again just right i mean sometimes you just get the bad seal deck you know or sometimes you just build it totally wrong and you know, like man i just want another go at it and to give you sort of a discount on that is is amazing plus if you win you know if you go 4-0 in that event you get a gold rush envelope as well on on sunday we're going to be you know throwing the win a trip to gp miami five thousand dollar challenge so not only are you going to get a gold rush just for playing in that event um at the end of that event, that should be sort of the end of the weekend, and we're going to be distributing all of our all of our leftover envelopes to those players. So if we have 20 envelopes left, the top 20 get an envelope. If we have 100 left, the top 100 get an envelope. You know, like basically all of those cards in the gold rush are 100% going to happen. They're going to be given away. We're you know everyone is going to open all the goodies. You know, two x dual lands from unlimited for you know for the whole run. So how many uh, how many uh, how many envelopes does the coverage team get uh, per day? <laughs> you need double digits. Yes. <laughs> but, but this is, I, I mean, I remember the first time you guys did this. I couldn't make it out to the event, but uh, but yeah. just the excitement about the gold rush. Uh, I mean, it's like a lottery, which is, you know, it's exciting for the people playing, but I don't really care usually, <laughs> like the actual lottery. I don't right. care about people winning, but this is really exciting, you know, just to, to hear – People, you know, people were tweeting. This is what I opened, and I think what was it? Owen Turtonwald opened uh, the Black Lotus last time. <laughs> he uh, he said he said he did. One. Yeah, yeah. He at least so, said he did. Right. We we got a picture of the actual winner of the Black Lotus. Oh, okay, okay. He was he was very humble and appreciative, and you know, not quite as boisterous or have quite the loudspeaker, but um, you know. We got to give that away. I know, like, and for me, it's also one of those things that it's important to stick around for the end of the weekend and play as much as you can because I know we had two moxes opened at the very end. You know, yes. we were giving out at the end of the day on Sunday. Uh, I think a, a Bayou and another Dual Land was opened at the very end. I mean, the last envelopes we distributed had these amazing cards in them. And, you know, there's still, I mean, just stuff like Chains of Mephistopheles and The Abyss and Tabernacle. I mean, like, there's there's lots and lots of good excellent things that you could open. This time we're also giving away foil sets of Ravnica block, the original Ravnica block. Mm-hmm. So yep. full shock lands, foil dark confidants, you know, like even foil doubling seasons, which are worth infinite. Um, yeah. Yep. It, it all works out. Uh, another, yeah, I mean, for me, like the gold rush is something that, I mean, I wanted to run back and I'm excited we could. And the, the fact that we can just double it up, you know, like we want, to make Charlotte awesome. We want every Magic player to know that it exists, every Magic player to be excited about going, and everyone who does go to have just, you know, this memorable, amazing time. So, needless to say, this is one of the biggest and most amazing events I've ever been a part of. 
So it kicks off on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday evening. Uh, there's there's the uh, uh, there's actually a, you know the what is it the trials. Right. Yeah, Friday at noon actually is when the doors will open, and we'll be running trials both, uh, you know, in uh, as sealed and standard. Um, and again, any winners of those will not only get three buys; they'll also get a free sleeping special, which nice. is not not exactly standard. Um, and you'll of course get a, grand, a gold rush envelope. So, like, you can just imagine the trifecta of you know winning the trial and getting the sleeping special and getting like a piece of power, yeah. like. Some someone's going to have an amazing story in that regard, and there's just going to be those types of amazing stories all weekend, which which is why that promotion I think is just absolutely amazing. Um, but you know, it's not only that. On on Friday, you'll also get to do the All Star meet and greet. At this point, we do know that Brian Kibler's travel does not allow him to be available for that. But as far as I know, the other four will be, um, which includes uh, Patrick Chapin, Mike Flores, Jerry Thompson, and Brad Nelson, and um, they'll be there to say hello and sign their commemoratively backed tokens. That yep. were just released uh, for the open series, and I'm very happy about that too. So, it's been you know it's been terrific, and and we've put an absolute ton of time and energy in planning this event to be the biggest and best it can be. So, not to mention the fact that you'll get to meet uh, Joey Pasco, Ruben Bressler, and Evan Irwin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually um, I plan on playing in this event. Oh man. Oh, you're just trying to get a gold rush. <laughs> yeah, you're just trying to get the gold rush envelope. I, I, I think the fix is in. I think Evan's going to get the Lotus. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I want that one. <laughs> no, no, all the way. No, the second to the last. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could actually get one of those envelopes because if I were to ever open anything, you know. Yeah, it would just be the worst PR the thing ever. Begin. Like, I'm okay just battling and letting everybody else enjoy Sure. Sports. Um, but but I'm excited just because you know like it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a terrific tournament. They have just you know an amazing set of side events. The rebound tournament thing is great. Like the artists there, we've worked to get Therese Nielsen on the East Coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's something I was really excited about. I was going to mention next a guest of honor Therese Nielsen, who is just one of the the most amazing artists in Magic's history. And you know she's still doing art now. She's you know goes all the way back to the early days. And I mean sh- you guys. Star City obviously has the the lithographs available, and being able to uh, to meet Therese Nielsen and get some you know some art or some signatures and things that's awesome. Eric yeah, Deschamps, I mean, Steve Belladin, and of course Kristen Plesko. Yeah. So those she who who authored who actually drew rather the uh, the player tokens, um, you know, and did the artwork for the open trials play mats as well as some other stuff. You know, she's she's incredibly talented, and we're excited to, uh, to sort of have her debut. She's never really had an artist booth before, so she's really excited to meet people and sign things, and you know, just sort of sort of get that experience for her for herself. And um, you know, and, and of course, the other half of it is Eric Deshawn has done an incredible amount of stuff. Steve Belden did you know Grave Crawler and Overgrown Tomb, and Therese Nielsen obviously has lithographs. I mean, you know, the ability to buy a set of five or to get a Force of Will and have her sign it, or the Descendants Path, which looks just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you guys, like, again, the fact that we got Therese Nielsen of the East Coast was no small feat. <laughs> sure. And I'm super excited that people get to, you know, both meet and, uh, and you know, just sort of see her work and be able to buy prints and things of that nature. Yeah, and I'm really excited. Go ahead, Ruben. I was going to say, the other thing about this event is that even if you don't get to go, you can still be a big part of the action because we're going to be uh, doing coverage. 
Um, and there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff happening on the coverage. We have, an, for example, we have an interview with, uh, with Kristen Plesko, so you get to learn a little bit more about her. Um, I will be doing interviewsenings, selfless, self, self, uh, selfish plug there, with, <laughs> with the three big name uh, uh, token players that I don't already have interviewsenings with. And so those will be on the coverage. Plus, you get to listen to Joey Pasco and friends doing all of the coverage of the actual event. So there's a, a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, Matthias Hunt and Mike Flores. Yeah. Yep. Along with Joe, that'll be great. So, so speaking of coverage, uh, obviously we're going to be watching the matches. What mm-hmm. and and you know we have these uh, the content that Ruben just mentioned. Are we going to be doing any coverage? Uh, you know, as far as like maybe the deck building process. Is there anybody we might be following, or is there any sort of other uh, feature planned? We, um, I'm. Talk it's about? one of those things where I'm currently still in final uh, chats with Wizards okay. on exactly the hows and the whats and the whys um, of how we film certain special segments during the, the tournament that we want to do. Um, because, you know, here at SCG, we have SCG Live. You know, I have a whole crew of four terrific directors, an amazing coordinator. I've got Ruben, I've got Glenn, you know, I've got Lauren. I've got, you know, a whole bunch of people who are really good at their jobs, and I'm trying to work out the best sort of features we can do live um, at the show. Uh, we are working on some canned segments um, that I can chat about a little bit, which includes the Kristen Plesko interview that Ruben mentioned. Um, we plan on doing a video uh, per guild to discuss the limited strategy on a per guild basis, you know, the strategy if you draft Gruul or if you draft Orzov or what have you. Um, we're also planning on doing a little special above the curve bit um, because that's that's a super terrific program that we produce here in house and um, about the the sort of the limited metagame and uh, and the metagame in general as it stands for uh, for the formats and so there's and and there's the last bit is that we wanted to do a little making of the gold rush you know sometimes people want to want to know how the sausage is made and and we wanted to give a little taste of that for the uh, for the gold rush you know it's like Here's how we got all the cards together and how we, you know, look at all the expensive cards going in envelopes and things of that nature. A lot of people, and, and me in particular, I, I get a kick out of sort of seeing how the, the gears turn and how all these things come together. Yeah, so definitely. We have, we have some special segments planned for Sunday that, again, I can't talk about just yet, but we're finalizing. And, um, and I'm expecting it to be a great show. We're, we're going to be bringing all the guns because this is literally our backyard. Charlotte is a three-hour drive from my house. <laughs> From Star City, yeah. So, so everybody and their mama's going to be there from SCG, and it's going to be an absolutely amazing show, and I'm super excited about it. I'm I'm, I'm pumped, and I have to wait another week and a half to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just talking about it's getting me more and more excited about it. Like I kind of I was really excited, you know, when when it we it was first announced and everything, and then you know it it settled. But now as it's getting closer and closer, it's just like uh, can't can't wait can't wait to get there. <laughs> So, I'm excited. Uh, it, it is very cool. So you know, if you can make it to Charlotte, uh, I think you you really just have to. It's mandatory. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, we we made the event where like if you play magical cards, you want to be in Charlotte on February 22nd through the 24th because this event was made for you. Yeah. Uh, but if you can't make it, you can definitely catch all the excitement and, you know, the, the everybody rubbing it in that you're not there. I mean, no, you should definitely watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but before that event happens, yes, there is a pro tour this weekend. Mm-hmm. There is. So let's briefly talk about uh, what we expect from the pro tour. Have you guys done your fantasy picks yet? 
I normally wait on those, but I, I'm actually excited to get those in before Friday. Yeah, I haven't. Because usually we do a we do a, a brief fantasy uh, discussion before the event, and then try and rub it in each other's faces. What we typically what we do is we draft the three of us, and but we're not allowed to overlap picks. Uh, Cranny, of course, isn't here this time, so we won't be able to do that. But I wanted to uh, to briefly talk about what you guys were expecting from this weekend, and if if you guys had any thoughts. Well, I think the the. Oddly, the biggest thing I'm excited about um, is, and, and I believe this is happening, is the return of Guillaume Wafotapa mm. to the Pro Tour. Because I am just a huge Wafotapa fan, and I love his, you know, what he usually comes up with. The lists that he comes up with are very often the exact kind of list that I want to play. So I'm excited to see what he what he brings this weekend. Uh, assuming he is actually attending, which I believe he is, from what I've heard. Sure. Um, so that, that's the, I, I think he did win a PTQ. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, that, right, that is going to be right. His band kind of ran out, as I understand it, and then like he immediately won a PTQ because the guy is an actual just not stone really master, of course. Oh my god! And like, and for what it's worth, you know, on a personal level, like I've known Guillaume for years and have interacted with him many, many times over many, many events. He's just one of the best people in man. Oh yeah, He's good He's, guy. Absolutely, I completely absolutely agree. Amazing. I think that there are some people who get suspended and then they get off of suspension and I consider them to have done their time and Guillaume is certainly one of them and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him because he's one of those players that just, he has a mind that works differently somehow and he's just... I, mean, uh, <laughs> I was there in Valencia when you know it flooded out day one and right. so they had to do 12 rounds on day two to, and then do more rounds on Sunday to cut to the top eight. But 12 rounds, the man played 12 rounds of heartbeat of spring combo. <laughs> I mean, I don't know Jeez. if you know how difficult that is. Not, just, your, your brain melts. It just it's not what I want to be doing with my life. <laughs> and he went like X1, X2. Like, I mean, it's insane. And also, like, you know, I have this great memory of Guillaume. Um, it, I was at a, you know, I was in a hotel. It was at a pro tour. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I was, you know, I was getting ice or something at like midnight or 1 a.m. And Guillaume was on this little table in this little alcove in the hotel. For whatever reason, they had it out there with a little chair. And he was just out there just looking at his deck, had his deck out on the table. And I was like, Guillaume, it's 1 in the morning. What are you doing? And he's like, just, just looking. You know, like, <laughs> he's so quiet. You know, he doesn't really say anything anyway. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to leave you as the stone master, being the sure. stone master. I'm going to go get something to drink down <laughs> my ice and go back to my room. But, you know, like, it's it's that sort of that that quiet power, as I would call it, you know, that confidence. Yeah. And he is so good. He is so good. Yeah, the last time, come back. last time we saw him on the on the big stage, which, stage was what Worlds when it was just blue black control mirrors Guillaume versus Guillaume, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know that that's just one of my favorite tournaments of all time. When I think about you know Pro Tours and uh, and I, I love those blue black control decks. It was just before the uh, you know the advent of Callblade. In fact, I think Kibler was playing Call Go at that event, mm-hmm. and that was the <laughs> that was the initial genesis. It was late 2010, and you know, of course, Callblade came and ruined it for everyone, and uh, you know, got Jace banned, and you know, that, <laughs> but before that, when that that was just one of the most fun uh, tournaments to watch. And oh yeah, that was right before Mirrored and Besieged came out. So before sort of Feast and Famine, and- right. Before that kind of took over, before Pro Tour Paris and all that stuff. Right, exactly. But it was it was an awesome tournament there in Japan. It was nice. 
So yeah, for so, this event. Yeah, for this ahead. event that you can uh, you can pick your your roster. The name of my roster, by the way, is the official misers guys. <laughs> um, that's the, that's my fantasy team name. Um, I'm a big I'm a big fan of that. But uh, so do you do you have any surprise picks at any of the uh, in any of the uh, the the uh, slots? Uh, just to briefly run down here for you, the slots are planeswalker, large creature, medium creature, small creature, and that breaks down as five plus threes and fours and ones and twos or zeros, I guess. Um, then you've got instant sorcery, enchantment, artifact, non-basic land. Now, they added a new category, which is a new set card. So you have to pick a card from the new set. Um, and then, of course, your tiebreaker is your pro tour player. So uh, one of you guys might be picking Guillaume Wafotapa as your pro tour player. He is a eligible pick. I just looked it up. Nice. Awesome. Um, do you guys have any other input there? I mean, you know, it's always it's always tough when you when you go this. It's also like we're also in this fun period of magic article writing, where that happens before every pro tour, where every pro sort of doesn't want to talk about what's going on this weekend. <laughs> so they're like, look at this modern deck, and look at this yeah. other thing that's not standard this weekend. So you know, and I always sort of like that dance. That dance is always fun to me. Um, you know, I, I I think this the idea of this fantasy pick and 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 why the fantasy picks are good. It always just sounds like a really great article. No one's really wrote, I think, an article that says you know like the the, the gate crash pro tour gate crash fantasy rundown. You know what I mean? It kind of goes over the big hits, right. you know, the 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 big options. I would love to have that type of article to look at right now. For example, while we're talking about it, and say, oh, it's pretty obvious that you know the medium creature is going to be Restoration Angel and Boros Reckoner probably, and who knows the new set card. I mean, you know, it's like, what is everybody really excited about? You know, like, is that Bant Delver list actually something that's going to be huge at the Pro Tour, or is it something as insane as unexpected results, or is it just something as sort of expected as the Naya deck? You know, like. I don't know, and, and you know they've been brewing for weeks, you know, right, nonstop. Right. And I, you just, yeah, I mean, I mean, you sort of you you pick your battles. I love the idea of a new set card, though. I think that that pushes, you know, that allows Wizards to give a real spotlight on the new set and all the different cards people expected to show up. Um, I personally think it's Domey Rod, but from the new set cards, yep. Hmm. I mean, I think Boros Reckoner is sort of the default, but I think Domery with Boros Reckoner, yeah. Uh, you know, it's probably going to be Boros Reckoner, though, because it's going to edge it out. Well, it's... <clears throat> here. Here's my breakdown. I don't have an article, but here's my breakdown. Okay. New set card is either Boros Reckoner or one of the lands. Oh, okay. Well, lands. Yeah, that's a boring... Right. <laughs> boring. Yeah, that's Hey, man, boring. my non-basic land is going to be Stomping Ground. Sure, my medium right. creature is going to be Boros Reckoner. Right. I think it's going to be one of those two. Um... So, the, the, I just told you my medium creature in my land. So, here's my small creature. I got Rakdos Cackler. My large creature, I have Thrag Tusk. And that's a close one for me, because I think it might also be Thunder Mahalkite. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hedge with Thrag Tusk here. I think I went a little deep on the red cards. So, I picked Thrag Tusk to sort of hedge. Um, my Planeswalker's Jace Memory Adept, because I honestly have no idea. That could easily be Domri Raid. Mm-hmm. Um, or Liliana of the Veil, for that matter, depending on how good Jund is. Yeah. Speaking of Jund, I've got Rakdos Kirun as the artifact in a relatively thin uh, uh, category. Yeah. My enchantment is Rancor. 
Interesting, as we've been recording this, Saito has come out with a new red-green aggro list with ten auras in the main deck. Oh, wow. Tell four me Four rancors, two, two madcap skills, yes. four rancors, and four volcanic strengths in the main. Ah! Ah! <laughs> yeah. My prediction came through as we were recording the podcast! <laughs> that, was, that was good. good Orange guy Damas. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my instant and sorcery are Searing Spear and Pillar of Flame. Although that could easily, easily be Farseek. Um, this one's a real wide open one. I don't think that there's any obvious choice for any of these categories. So I just decided to go as safe as I could possibly go, which is why I selected Yuyo Watanabe as my player. Oh, that guy's real. Yeah. So, <laughs> clearly... Clearly a real person. So yeah. those are mine. Um, we didn't get to do the full breakdown this time around, but uh, if you wrote those down and compare them to, to, to compare your uh, finish to mine after the Pro Tour, rub it I in my face on Twitter. I would hate for the non-basic land and the and the the new set card to both be stomping ground. I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that kind of defeats the purpose, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a new card. I don't know. Right. But, yeah. When I say new card, I mean things a card that does things. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> not, not this well, way. I think that Boros Reckoner being being a hybrid is a big deal. Like, you can put that in way more decks than you can put Stomping Ground in, right? Yeah. I mean, we could the, also the problem say is, Blind Obedience. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Blind Obedience, too. Good call. That's On enchantment? Yeah. Oh, man. That could yeah. be the enchantment, too. Yeah. I mean, it's mm. possible. Yeah, I think standard right now is is obviously at this point it's just it's a high pressure format with a lot of aggro decks being able to take advantage of stumbles. But you know, there's other decks trying to trying to make trying to slow things down a bit. But it's nowhere near as slow as it was when we had Bant Control, uh, you know, kind of dominating with. Well, it's, I guess it's Reed Duke's fault, but um, sure. <laughs> Reed Duke, I got me some good magic. So <laughs> you know, I don't have I don't have a a group of picks like Ruben does, but. And and I don't expect this card to to actually be the most played card, but this is a card that I really want to see somebody uh, use and maybe break out, even if it's only like a, a small handful of players playing the deck. But I really want to see Dusk Mantle Seer uh, mm. show up in somebody's list. And um, you know, I know Blake Rasmussen, who is a, a Wizard coverage guy who started writing for Gathering Magic recently. Um, he uh, he sent me his latest list. He's got like an Esper Flash list going on but essentially he's been trying to make dusk mantle seer happen and i think uh that's one of the more exciting cards out of gate crash for me mm-hmm. and i, I want to see i want to see what people are doing with it so i know blake uh blake sent me that recent list he said it's going to be in his article this week so keep i did a i did a deck tech in edison with um with Phil Blackman, who is always good for a deck tech whenever I go to the Northeast. We did a, a deck tech on a deck that I titled True Blood, because it has 12, vamp- 12 vampires and a copy of Tybalt, the Fiend Blooded, in it. And he's running four Dusk Mantle Seers in yeah. that deck. So I think it came in like 41st place. Um, um, he, he did okay. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head how he did, but... Uh, yeah, I had it up, but I, maybe I'm we had it on camera. Memory, I think either on camera or on the uh, alternate match, and he dismantled his Jund opponent, and Jund ended up winning the tournament. So, you know, not too not too shabby. Yeah, actually, no, he came in two hundred twelfth. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> way sure. way worse. I was the wheels worse. fell off. The, I know he fell off, but it's okay. I know he did uh, end the day with three draws, 
with his four Falkenroth aristocrat deck. So I don't know where that happened, but uh, so there's clearly room for improvement. But you know, it's a starting point for Dusk Mantles here, and I, I definitely agree that when you've got a four four flyer for four, which is Moroi stats, you know that's not a bad card, and neither is Dark, is Dark Confidant. So you staple those two together, and there's definitely potential there. Well, there's this idea that, like, not only are you getting the sort of the Dark Confidant trigger, and yes, they're getting it too, but you're also dealing them damage. You know, it's a very yes. aggro creature. And that it was is. part of the reason, like, I mean, back back in the day when Dark Confidant was in standard, you know, I played the, you know, Rakdos deck with Genju of the Spires and, and all this, and I mean, and literally had uh, Greater Gargadon. Like, I could take, you know, nine yeah. out of nowhere. And I sure. did. But I still, I won a mox with that deck because it was so, like, it was so aggressive. And so, you know, Dark Confidant, 2-mana, two 2-1, two Dust Metal Seer, 4-mana, four 4-4 four, four Flyer. Like, you know, the, these are pushed cards. They're not getting the card first, you know, type of thing. So, And the interaction between Dimir Charm and Dusk Mantle Seer yeah. has not been fully explored. And I think that that is the real, the real key here is that Dimir Charm and Dusk Mantle Seer has the potential to be the most powerful thing that you can do in standard. It has the potential. Good. It's real good. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, there's there's no doubt about the ability to you know put Dustmail Sears trigger on the stack, Demir Charm them. Like, oh, you're going to reveal Thrag Tusk now, and then I'm going to swing for four in the air. So you just took nine, and then I get to counterspell or whatever, you know. The the uh, the Thrag Tusk at that point. So, yep. you know, there's there's definite space. I mean, just the same thing could be said about Prime Speaker Zagana. Like, where is she? You know, yeah. she's only like what four dollars right now. That's, uh, that's a completely unrealistic number for her to be she's, at. She's higher than four dollars because I was just going <laughs> to buy something the other day, and I was like, oh, I don't she? know if I'm going to play it. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, I want to buy some right now. Right, if they were four dollars, I would have been like, yep, add to cart, you know, sure, four copies. But I think they, they might be like ten bucks, I think. So uh, sure. somewhere around there. So yeah, I have to place my my order for a pickup at Charlotte, and actually to get all my gate crash cards that I want, but. Uh, nice. That was one that I was one that I was considering. I'm hoping for the Pro Tour. Like the thing that excites me most is his new archetypes. You know, like I love the Bant Delver list that sort of just popped up. I love the unexpected results. I want to see something that is, and, and even this, you know, sort of True Blood Vampire Dustmail Seer deck is just different. It's something you haven't seen before, and I think there's a lot of angles that people just don't explore because they're so used to, you know, like well, I got to play the Mono Red deck. I got to play the Boros Reckoner deck when there are other things happening in Standard right now. Sure. So I'm hoping that they break it. You know, I hope that if not break it, just give me some new archetypes. You know. Yeah. This time last year, we saw uh, we saw the spirits deck. The um, with uh, now I'm gonna forget the name. The the spirit the lord. Spirit guy. What's his name? Oh, drug soul captain. Yeah, Pirate ghost. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I mean, that was the deck of of the tournament last year. It was also the the wolf blocking incident, right? Or the. Uh, they don't block the wolf yeah. and die. Yeah, exactly. So that was uh, that was you know the second set pro tour, you know standard pro tour mm-hmm. uh, last year. So you know you see how that, that that had a pretty big impact. And remember at that point we were all worried about black white tokens being like the strongest right. deck in standard. And I think uh, you know actually coincidentally Star City was in Cincinnati that weekend, and there were black white tokens lists you know all over the room, but oh, they yeah. disappeared. So. Well. Lingering Souls got hated out pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Wizards yeah, is like, were, yep, this is too good. Yeah, when they were making uh, Gay Crash, they were clearly like, all right, we have Orzov in this set. People are going to want to play Lingering Souls. 
let's put like 15 ways to hate that because <laughs> we just absolutely have to ensure that nothing bad can happen so let's yeah. ban it and block and let's just print infinite hosers and nice static casters and illnesses in the ranks and all this stuff yep okay <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Like, I think Lingering Souls was the best card in Dark Ascension, and, you know, they just didn't want it to be this thing that sort of oppresses everybody. And, and the other half of it is the thinking of, you know, Wizards loves to print these days, you know, huge, uh, huge foils to, to whatever it is they're, they're, they're pushing. You know, like, this card's awesome, so here's, you know, here's Graveyard Stuff's awesome, here's Graft Digger's Cage, here's Tormod's Crypt, you know, here's Rest in Peace, like, all the things that hate on yep. it. But it's still good, you know. Brad Nelson will still do well with it because people are going to forget about it, and then you know, yeah. In in uh, it. it's it, every three months, Brad Nelson snaps the format in half with unburial rights. Um, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna happen in another two and a half months, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's it's just it's just the way of things. So forget about Dre slash unburial rights, yep. and and then they'll just blow you out with another crater of behemoth deck, and that'll be the end of it. But you know, and I, I I like that. I think that's fine. You know, I think we've we've gotten to the point where we want standard to be this kind of rotating wheel of things that are good versus you know the one fairies deck or the one five color control deck or whatever it is. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's third. So to kind of wrap things up, well, one thing I I wanted to mention. I saw Evan, you actually tweeted it yesterday, and that's when I first heard of it. Was this uh, this art book? It's called The Gathering. Yeah, The Gathering. Uh, it's yeah. 20 years, commemorating the 20th anniversary of Magic the Gathering, and it's uh, it's basically, looks like it's getting together a bunch of artists from the original, uh, you know, the original few sets. So, right. uh, I guess, talk a little bit about this, Evan. What, what I know of it mm-hmm. is, I heard a rumor that there's not going to be a lot of fanfare made, officially, mm-hmm. about the 20th anniversary of Magic. Um, the issue with that is that the game can, like, you know, when you're trying to sell the game, it can it can seem like it's an old game, or it's, you know, it's just got, it's kind of an old, crusty game for people who used to play back in the day or whatever, where I'm of the opposite, you know, thinking, I think we should celebrate it and explain that the game is so good, and it continues to change, but it is as popular, you know, more popular than ever, selling better than ever, literally being one of the biggest earners for Hasbro, you should, like, I want to put 20th anniversary on the frigging packs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, on the packaging. I want it to say, like, hey, this game is awesome. It's been around for two decades. You need to get in on it now because it's not slowing down. Right. Like, I, I, that's my shtick. That's what I want to push. I am, it makes me incredibly sad and disappointed that it is not happening officially. But these artists are basically getting together and saying, hey, we want to make a big deal out of this. And we want to produce something that commemorates, you know, what we did 20 years ago. And for Wizards to sort of embrace the 15th anniversary five years ago, they had the, um, they had the promo char, if you remember that. Yep. Um, for the 15th anniversary and not to do something for the 20th, I feel is just a travesty. And as I know it from the book, they're going to, um, they're announcing all the artists involved now, and then they're going to announce a Kickstarter project where they basically fund it. Um, and then you get sort of kickbacks 
therein, of course, as Kickstarter works uh, for doing so. So I'm excited about that. You know, I, I want to buy that book just because, obviously, you know, we all love magic, and I certainly do. And I think it's going to be a really cool piece of history. It'll be an awesome coffee table book to be able to show people, you know, like, I love magic. Here's, you know, magic art from years and years ago, and isn't it super awesome? And look at this cool new stuff, which is, you know, a lot more digital, um, a lot more polished. But when you go back and you look at the original Sarah Angel, you look at the Neveneros disc, or you look at, you know, all those all sort of classic artworks, I mean, there's... There's nostalgia involved. It is gorgeous art, you know, and it is something that I think is to be celebrated and cherished. And it's unfortunate that it's not officially done. So I agree. The first time I heard about this book, I saw Pete Venters tweet about it um, that they were doing a Kickstarter or something for for this book. So uh, I'll I'll definitely be paying attention to uh, to this because I think it's definitely a project worth doing. I think that if if the game didn't have art, as competitive <clears throat> as players are. If the game didn't have art, it would be so boring, mm-hmm. right? I think that the art is very, very important. The flavor is very, very important, no matter how into the competitive scene you are. Um, and, of course, for people like me, and people more Vorthosian than me, the art can, al- can often be the most important thing. So initially, um, yeah, the, the art is what gathered. Oh, what gathered? I got the gathering right in front of me. So yep. What uh, attracted me to the game uh, initially? Like I was just a kid that l- I like to play Final Fantasy, and I'm like, hey, cool! This art looks like Final Fantasy artwork. So you know, I just want to look at these cards. Sure, right. I guess I'll play too. It was like the <laughs> game was secondary to me, and um, you know, it's funny. Even the times. The times that I stopped playing Magic, a lot of times it was seeing some sort of cool artwork that made me go, you know, I, I want to play Magic again. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's strange, but I mean, the artwork is very important to this game. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great to see somebody putting together something like this. I I'm, can't wait to get more information because I have to, uh, <laughs> have to get this book. I, I can't wait to see what's in it. It's going to be sort of one of those things that I think, you know, your, your super invested Magic player needs to have, you know. Like, as a sort of totem of, I love magic so much, I have this incredible book that was made by all the artists from 20 years ago. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a really cool sort of badge of honor. Be like, look, this is sweet, and this is rare. Like, you know, this is not going to be a book, I think, that sees mass publication. I think it's a book that is, you know, going to be probably sold in some form or fashion, but ultimately those who invest in this Kickstarter will get the most out of it and, and have a really awesome piece to show off for years to come. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll link that in the show notes. It's it's uh, they just have a Facebook page. It looks like right now. Um, right. I don't think they've actually launched Kickstarter yet. Right. Yeah. It says it's coming this month. So we'll yep. see. Uh, we'll get more information. But until then, we'll uh, we'll have it in the show notes, and you can find the information on Facebook. So, mm-hmm. um, anything else you guys wanted to add? Nope. That's all I got. I will uh, see you all, all on- this coming weekend in Montreal. Sorry. Ooh. Yeah. I mean the. Uh, the- the only thing I had, and it's literally just because it's on my screen right now. Um, speaking of art, and because it reminds me of it, and it's a cute little bit, um, someone noted on the MTG Reddit um, that the charms, and this is I thought was interesting, if you look at all ten charms, all nine of the charms are actually emblazoned on something. Mm. The, mere, the mere charm is the absence of something. Right. The mere charm is made by the architecture and the light going through the architecture, whereas every other charm is actually easily spelled out. I, th- I thought yeah. that was a brilliant little piece of flavor. That is. It's, yeah, that's the secret guild, man. Yeah. 
I don't, don't even know. Charles. I don't even know what this Demir Guild you're talking about is. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You just go out and and delete the word, uh, edit out the word Demir every time we say it in the episode. Just of course. Beep charm. <laughs> <Exactly>. Beep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, thanks for for joining us, Evan. And uh, obviously, um, you've gotten me very excited about Charlotte. So I hope uh, everybody else is excited as I am. Me too. I appreciate you guys having me. It's been an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I uh, also wanted to, to say thanks, Ruben and Cranny. I know when, when you listened for uh, for all the Ravens love last week on the episode. Of course. That was, uh, that was very exciting for me to have my team <laughs> <laughs> win the Super Bowl, and I got to uh, go to the parade, which was which was bedlam. It was crazy. The, the stadium got packed. It was like over capacity and people were climbing the walls after they closed the gate to try to get into the stadium. Wow. It was, it was unbelievable. But uh, I always like it when uh, a team that has a a mascot that is a magic card creature type wins. Yeah. I mean, that, that That makes my job significantly easier on the, uh, on the news. (laughs) The giants last year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the other cool thing, what other NFL team is named after a literary figure? I mean, we're, we're, it's because of Edgar Allen. There you go. Like that is kind of awesome. That's where we got the name from, from Edgar Allan Poe. So nice. uh, I think that's pretty cool. So, um, and and um, you know, for you 49ers fans, you can uh, you can kind of lift your spirits with the Gold Rush coming up in Charlotte. There, there you, you go. go. There <laughs> we are. <laughs> Full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. And uh, I am. You can follow us on Twitter. Of course, Evan is at Mister Orange. Uh, Ruben is at Mox Ruby, R-E-U-B-Y. I am at Affinity for Blue. Uh, Matt Cranstuber is at KStube, and the podcast is at In Contention. You can follow us uh, also on Facebook or like us on Facebook, whichever you prefer. Um, and uh, until next week, we are In Contention. <laughs>